Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 15th, 2016, and we are reading in the big book, and we are on page 100, the bottom paragraph beginning, assuming we are spiritually fit. Today's readers are Esther F. on the 12 Steps, Charlene G. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Kim G., Janice B., and Sarah W. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, September 14th, is 9078. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service in my past. Thank you, Esther F. And Charlene G., would you please read our 12 traditions? 
Good morning. This is Charlene G. from Idaho. Here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. <clears throat> Thank you, Charlene G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 100, the last paragraph that begins, Assume We Are Spiritually Fit. And I will ask Kim G. to get us started today. Good morning, Kathy. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. People have said we must not go where liquor is served, we must not have it in our homes, we must shun friends who drink, we must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes, we must not go into bars, our friends must hide their bottles if we go to their houses, we mustn't think or be reminded about alcohol at all. Our experience shows that this is not necessarily so. Oh, and good morning, everyone. Assuming we are spiritually fit, that's a big assumption, first of all, but I have to tell you what I thought that meant for many years in Overeaters Anonymous was did I call my sponsor, 
Did I commit my food and did I say the serenity prayer like 14 million times a day? And when that was what it meant to be spiritually fit, I had to avoid all these places. You know, the best that I could do working a program of abstinence only was I had to avoid people, places, and things. I had to avoid my triggers, which in all honesty was anything I did while I was awake. And I had to, I had to use halt. I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And let me tell you, this is our experience, so this is not necessarily so. Neither is my experience. My experience is I do not want my binge foods. When I was working a program of abstinence only, there was a popular saying in my area called that with the food, we have to let the tiger out of the cage three times a day. That's not my experience now. You know, I had six years of back-to-back abstinence when I first came in, and it was only on fear, fellowship, and the tools. And yes, I felt some relief, but I never felt freedom. Assuming we are spiritually fit means that we put the food down, we walk through these 12 steps, and we have a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. So now for five and a half years, almost the same time I was abstinent and I first came in, I have felt freedom, absolute freedom. I work these steps hard, and as a result, I am contently abstinent contently abstinent. You know, if this is not your experience, if, you're, if you've been like me, relapsing over and over in OA, or maybe you've worked the steps, but you still don't have peace around the food. Maybe you still have to avoid these people, places, and things. There's an AA speaker I love that says, I smell more. Well, let me guarantee you there is more. This book promises me if I follow these specific directions, I'm going to get these promises, and I have received these promises. So if you, but let me just say, if you are not spiritually fit, if you're still in the food right now, if you're working the steps but haven't had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, you better avoid these places. You better protect your abstinence with everything that you have. Because until you have this spiritual awakening and that mental twist is still there, you are at risk of picking up. And once you pick up, you're in the, the, the doctor's opinion cycle over and over and over. So this is a miracle for those of us who have gone through the steps. This is my reality. But once again, if you haven't been through the steps, don't think that just because you committed your food and did some tools that you're going to be able to go in these places without being tempted, without maybe relapsing. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Janice M. Tina S. Okay, Janice M, Tina S. Anyone else? This is KDF. Elaine B. Yes. Amanda R. Do well. I heard Lydia, Elaine B, um, Do L, and there was somebody else in there. Amanda R. Amanda R. Great. Maureen M. Maureen M. Okay, let's stop there. So I have Janice M, Tina S. I think I heard Lydia, but I didn't get your last initial. Elaine B, Du L, Amanda R, and Maureen M. Please go ahead, Janice. Well, thank you very much, Kathy Kay, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And yes, I do assume and I do know that today, just for today, I am spiritually fit. Because why? Well, one, 
I do, you know, I have neutrality around my food today and the obsession of the mind that I don't even want the food. See, that's neutrality. There's the problem has been solved for me. I'm not cured. That doesn't mean that in 10 years or five years or three weeks, I'm going to be cured again. I am spiritually fit because I can go. You know, I don't have that elk. I don't have that the compulsive overeating mind, the obsession that, you know, that, you know, if I go to a wedding, um, that, the, that, oh, I'm going to be afraid. The food is going to tell me what I can and cannot do. This does not sound like a freedom to me. And I've been there, done that, <laughs> in abstinence only and not recovered. See, it's important to keep in mind that um, this is only possible after spiritual, having had a spiritual awakening. So we assume, we assume that the reader has worked them all, not just two or three, not just four or five, all the steps, and is spiritually fit as a result of these steps. So as a result of the steps, it means that the obsession, because that was the the most important part of my problem, is that I was obsessed. Oh, I'm not going to go there, or it looks good, I'm fighting it. No, the problem has been removed for today. It doesn't exist for me anymore. That's my experience. I'm neutral. It's like neutral. I mean, it could be rat. It could be anything. I mean, I'm neutral over rat poison. I mean, I don't go to it. I don't have an obsession. Well, that's how it is. That's how it is. And, you know, if the family affairs, like right now, I'm in, and, you know, some situations with my husband, with some medical situations, but, you know, if family affairs and, and, and calamities and, and, and making money and all that comes before recovery, <laughs> Uh, you know, and I'm not willing to do this, then, you know, you're really not sponsorship material because we won't get the results. We just won't get the results because that's my experience. I tried to do all that stuff before recovery, and I was fighting and fighting and fighting every day uh, to to have something, you know, remove this obsession of the mind. And uh, when the problem doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> I can do this. I can go to different places and um, have a good time. So when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out physically and mentally. And thank you much. Thank you, Janice M. Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy, for your service. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Oh, wow, powerful paragraph. Great shares. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, of course. Assuming we are in spirit, assuming we are spiritually fit, you know, on any given day, you know, one day at a time, you know. And, and for me, some days are better than others. And you know, and it talks about you know there are a few simple requirements to become spiritually fit, and and that's through working the twelve steps. And you know, I've tried it many other ways, and never got a result. And um, you know, since I know we don't have a monopoly on God, I know that it may work for someone else, but this is my experience. And you know, and I love what was shared. You know, I am certainly placed in a position of neutrality. You know, I spoke with someone on on the phone last night that's on, that, that comes on this line, and, you know, it's just amazing. We talked about the doctor's opinion, you know, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. You know, certainly the obsession of the mind has been removed. And, you know, if I don't put my alcoholic foods in my body, I don't have that allergic reaction. And, and what happens is certainly this paragraph, you know. And today, you know, I have my partner will go – 
be riding along in the car and she'll be saying something about, you know, some fast food place. And I'm just like oblivious because I don't even recognize those things today. That's just not on the radar. Somebody gives me directions, you know, turn here at McDonald's. I'm like, you know, I don't even know where that is today. And that's a miracle. You know, it's just a miracle. And, um, you know, one of the things is, you know, I got to do the deal to get the deal. You know, I certainly have to do the deal to get to deal. And I'm willing to do that today. You know, there was a time when I was not. But, you know, I certainly love what I get. So I'm certainly, you know, one day at a time. You know, you know, I suit up and I show up and I get up and I ask God certainly every morning to keep me sober, abstinent, and sane. And I know that when I do, he does. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And Lydia, please go ahead. Did I hear Lydia? Perhaps I didn't. Okay, Elaine B., please go ahead. Thanks so much for your service, Kathy. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. So grateful for this program. Um, I'm just setting my timer. Sorry about that. Uh, so, you know, I'm really grateful for for uh, rooms in a OA and phone meetings that and and a wonderful sponsor that taught me how to eat how taught me how to eat in places that uh you know there's food that I don't eat and taught me how to go to weddings and do board meetings and parties and how to have what I needed when things around me were um you know were not my food were things that used to send me over the cliff and uh, be all I could focus on <laughs> instead of the people in the room. And I needed that help. I needed that structure. I also needed a, a food plan that I could commit to. I needed to understand when I should eat, how much I should eat, what I should eat, because I just didn't have any of that stuff when I came into the rooms. And I'm really, really grateful that um, that people took the time and energy to learn how to teach me how to do that. But again, abstinence was not enough. It was not enough. I really needed to do this. One thing I heard in a, in a meeting is that the most spiritual thing I do is plan and stick to my food plan. And um, that the word ritual is buried in the word spiritual. So, you know, if I go to these places, um, you know, I, I can't hide out from the world. I, I can't hide out from family. I, I'm here to be of maximum service to God and to others. And if I am in fit spiritual condition, I can go anywhere and do that and be that. I can know what my food plan is. I can know what my needs are. I can know how to show up in those rooms and really be about the people, really be about God. What do you have for me here? How can I be of service? And um, if the food in the room is dancing, if I'm walking through the grocery store and something I used to eat jumps up and down to get my attention, if the, what's on the table becomes more important than who's sitting at the table, that is a symptom to me. There is something that is out of spiritual alignment. Am I with family that's triggering me? Am I concerned about what you're thinking about me more than, you know, whatever, then I need to do a 10-step. I need to get back into fit spiritual condition because I get out of alignment every single day. But it doesn't mean I need to hide out. It doesn't mean I need to avoid friends. My word, uh, you know, many of my friends are compulsive overeaters that have not had the privilege of recovery. And I want to still be in those rooms. I want to still be with those people. I want to still be a power of example and carry the message. 
And people see the difference. You know, they do. They're attracted to that. And they may not be addicted to food, but there may be other things that this program could help them with. And I love the privilege of carrying the message in all of those places. And I'd be uh, with that a pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine B. Do L, please go ahead. Good morning. My name is Duell, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Thank you very much. Um, assuming we're spiritually uh, fit, you know, what's an assumption? They're already giving you the credit, you know, um, for something that you're doing, you know. Um, and that's, that's supposing that you are in fit spiritual condition. You could do all sorts of different things. And when I was reading this, I was thinking of how many times I've gone to meetings and, and you can't even mention food at the meeting because most of the people there have an alcoholic mind. They have the compulsive overeating mind, right? They're not even recovered because at the mention of a word, you know, like a donut, um, they're already going off to the races. Oh, don't mention that because I'm going to go out and eat. Well, you know, I, I mean, as soon as you get out the meeting, you have – billboard signs of McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts and, and, and coffee and all these different things, and you don't have a problem with that. But as soon as you get into a meeting and the word, you know, some food is mentioned at the meeting, you're, you're a bit out of shape because of that. You know, well, today, thank God that I don't have that obsession that I could go to a meeting and hear a word, you know, such as donut and, and not get bent out of shape, you know. Um, you know, I go anywhere. I go to restaurants. I go to, you know, these establishments, and I don't have an issue anymore, right? Because um, I, I love what Janice said, you know, about the fact that it's like poison to me today. I totally get that, you know, but I didn't get there, you know, by osmosis. I had to do a lot of work. You know, I had to go through the steps. I had to be abstinent. I had to, you know, get to that spiritual place with the higher power to have this obsession removed. And every time I take a step, a little bit of the self dies, a little bit more of the self dies, a little bit more of the self dies. What's my problem? It's myself. You know, what's my problem is the control that I think I have over the food and over everything else in my life. I had to surrender that to a higher power. I had to surrender that through the steps. I had to get right with my program and with God to be able to be lifted from this obsession. And today I'm able to, through God's help, not through my own help, but through God's help, I'm able to do the impossible, which is be around these things, be around people that are eating their binge, uh, you know, my binge foods. You know, and today I have neutrality, and that's the miracle of this program, and it can be for you if you follow the directions outlined in this book. You know, um, just follow the directions, and, and you will get what we've gotten. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do L. Amanda R., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Amanda R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Maine, and a few people have um, heard me uh, explain uh, this this way what it means to be to be free uh, to go wherever you want to go and to be free of that obsession of the mind. Um, but the the illustration I usually pick out is when I'm going into 
the drugstore and you go in, you know, one corner and in the far diagonal opposite corner is the pharmacy where I'm going to go to pick up whatever prescription. So um, I think this is not an accident. <laughs> it's in the far diagonal opposite corner because you have to walk through all the other aisles. Um, so when I was first started working the steps, my abstinence was was tenuous, like I was abstinent, but I was just like holding on for dear life. I hadn't gotten to recovery yet. I used to avoid the aisles that had all the candy and the snacks and the soda and the ice cream and blah, blah, blah. I used to like walk through the opposite side of the store where there's like, you know, makeup and diapers and stuff I don't care anything about. Uh, But it was like the other side of the store was like thin ice. Like I was really scared of it. If I go over there, I could easily fall through and just, you know, I would, or, you know, when I was in disease and I would walk through those aisles on purpose, oh my gosh, like, look at this new type of cookie they have. Oh, wow. How can I get that? How can I eat a whole bunch of it without anyone knowing I've done it? How can I do it really fast? Because I want it like immediately, like, you know, can I buy it and eat it while I'm waiting for my prescription? Oh, my gosh. And that would just go on in my mind forever and ever and ever. Like it was this this monkey on my back that would not go away. And um, the difference now is that I really don't even think about where I walk through the store. This is what recovery is like. And it is completely possible for anyone who works the steps to be able to walk through that candy aisle to sort of sort of notice the newest cookie and be like, oh, huh, well, that's interesting. They made a new one. But that thought just sort of disappears from my mind as soon as I'm in the next aisle and I'm like, I'm like, hey, look, a light-up frisbee. Wouldn't that be fun to play with, you know, some of my, my best friend's kids with? And, and, I, and that's the last I think of the new cookies. I'm just like on to the rest of my day and it, it's just like a small blip on the radar that it's you know, no more interesting to me than, than anything else I see. Um, and yeah, it's just, I don't know, just neutral. And, um, and if that sounds like kind of crazy, like how could I ever get there? That's impossible. It is impossible on our own power. But if we open ourselves up to our higher power's strength through working the steps, then it's just the sky's the limit. So it's awesome. Okay, that's all. Catch you. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Amanda R. And Maureen M., please go ahead. Good morning, family. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service. My name's Maureen M., uh, recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, I love this. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> if I couldn't walk around and be around, you know, the foods I used to eat and and feel, you know, like I was going to freak out, uh, you know, I'm picking up. I, that's how I feel. It's just a matter of time um, before that happens. I have a daily reprieve here, um, a lifelong commitment to 12-step programs of recovery and a daily reprieve. Um, And I think about the cycle of addiction before I even read this and how it starts inside of me. If I don't remember on a daily basis, as soon as I wake, 
that I have no power based on my own self. Um, I know what I am based on myself. I am a fearful, um, angry. Uh, did I mention fearful? Yes, I did. Um, person. And uh, the humility comes when I realize that I must have a higher power in my life. I, I, there is no um, in between. And that's spiritually fit to me. Um, the cycle of addiction starts with being restless, irritable, and discontent. And I know for me, if I have a whiff of that going on, my humility is nowhere to be found. And then I start thinking about, I start thinking. And then I start feeling. Um, and then I think, oh my, I don't like this. I got to change this, you know. And that's not spiritually fit to me. Um, the minute I think I need to change any of that on my own, you know, then I then I want to like make it better. And I I have start having like glorification memories of food. So where that brings me is to the promises, the end of the promises. And uh, what comes after that for me is the neutrality. I'm not going to feel anything about food if I'm doing the will of a higher power, the proper use of the will. Um, I can be around anyone, anything, anywhere, a grand buffet of of poison, and I can, I can do that, you know, and just feel like, no. This isn't working for me. What works for me is working with others. <laughs> Trusting in a higher power, that's the first thing. Trusting in a higher power, cleaning house, whatever that looks like, if I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, and then moving my attention to helping others. Getting out of my own way and saying, God, what do you want me to be? What, what, what can I do today to do your will? I know what my will is. It's selfish. It's, uh, you know, I don't feel like it. I don't want to return calls. I don't, you know, uh, busy, I'm tired. Uh, yeah, I am all those things. And some days I do have to rest and take care of myself. But it's the proper use of the will for me. Number one is a higher power. I have, I have to trust a higher power. And then cleaning house, what's really going on? Get the uglies out. Get them out, give them to God, and then turn my attention to helping others, which never, ever fails. Thanks for letting me share. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, you, Maureen M. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Melissa Melissa C. Amy G. Leah M. Amy G. I don't know if I got in there. Okay, I I I only got Melissa C, Leia M, and Amy G. Leia M was first, but who is that? Anna M. Anna E. Sharon H. Amy. Um, I have um Amy G. Was there another Amy? Anna M. But I don't think you heard me. I was kind of first. I did. I have you first, Anna M. Oh. And Sharon H. 
Yep. So here's what I have. Anna M, Melissa C, Leah M, Amy G, Laura S, and Sharon H. Did I miss anyone? Irini. Irini. Who else? Laura S. Laura S. I have you. Devorah. Devorah. Oh, Devorah. I'm sorry, Devorah. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Sylvia. Sylvia, let's see if we can fit all of you in. We have Anna M., Melissa C., Leah M., Amy G., Laura S., Sharon H., Irini, Devorah S., and Sylvia. I forgot your last initial, Sylvia. I'm sorry. Okay, let's start with Anna M. Please go ahead. Good morning. This is Anna M. from New Haven, Connecticut. I thank you so much for your service. And I I realize this is an exciting paragraph because of all the people that are trying to get on. And I didn't realize that you did hear me. So I apologize for that. Um, But on page 100, the sentence says, Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. People have said we must not go where liquor is served and so on and so forth, and it goes on and on. I don't want to waste this precious time because there's a lot of people that need to share, but what struck me is a paragraph, and there is a solution where the doctor is asked, is there any exception? And the doctor replies, there is. And the exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena, unexplainable. That's my word I put in, and that's they appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of, of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begins to dominate them. In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. So, and this this is happening to me constantly. And, you know, for me, I'm a true full-fledged food addict. For 20 years, in and out, you know, almost died a couple of times as a result of this. But I've been, God has saved me, trust in God and clean house. And and I'm here to tell you that I need to, this is a daily reprieve. I need to. I need the medication, which is you all in this line, and the truth. And the truth is outlined in this big book we have. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous because I realize and I keep realizing this, is, this rule book has saved my life. And, and I hope that you guys, have a wonderful day, and I appreciate you guys, and I love you all very much. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Anna M. Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, this thought to me was once um, a dream. I didn't even dare to dream. I didn't even know this was a possibility that I could um, have this level of freedom 
you know, from the food. What I was hoping for was um, stronger willpower. You know, for years and years and years, I kept trying to fight this addiction with my power, with my willpower, and um, and boy, was I unsuccessful. You know, um, I I thought that I had to avoid anything that um, that excited my appetite. You know, and um, and today it's like that appetite no longer exists. And, you know, and so my experience has been that, you know, I, I can make um, gingerbread houses with my class, um, you know, spooning out frosting, and the desire to lick the spoon is, is, is like a thought of like, like licking glue, like something that just wouldn't cross my mind. And, you know, and eating the candy, um, would be like eating glitter. It just doesn't, it looks pretty, but it's not appealing to me. And, you know, these are the same substances that um, I used to dig through that candy when my students brought it in and pick out the ones that were too good for them to waste on the house because I needed it, you know. Um, and that's not my experience today. And what has changed? You know, I'm still the same teacher in the same school with the same demographic. You know, I live in the same exact house that I that I was living in. I have the same husband, the same children. I have the same administrator. What's changed is me. You know, I've had a spiritual rearrangement, a transformation, um, and I can continue to live free from from the desire to eat these things, so long as I continue to work on my spiritual, you know, um, connection with the same intensity as I did when the day I put up my hands and said, I'm done with this. So I can go all these places today, but I have a healthy respect for what it is, this disease that, I, that I'm up against. And it means that I do not eat my alcoholic food no matter what, um, and I work to have a, a relationship with my higher power above everything else. You know, I'm, I work on my rigorous honesty, on being useful, um, you know, carrying the message, um, having true integrity today. And if I have those things and I turn it all over to God, I can handle all those substances. Thank you. Um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Leah M., please go ahead. Thank you. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. You know, if you're new or not so new, um, I tell you it's my experience that there is hope here. This, this is really possible. There is a way out of the bondage of compulsive overeating. Um, you know, when you're through compulsive overeating, at least that was my experience, when I was convinced uh, that I was cornered, that I was, you know, there was no way out. There was no way I could personally wrestle myself from the chains and the bondage of compulsive overeating. Uh, this book uh, brought to life that there was a way out. There's a way to live without having to compulsively overeat. But I had to not eat to experience that way of life. I had to separate from my binge foods in order to experience that way of life so that I could embark on the program of recovery. That, that's the secret of the 12 steps, that yes, 
it's possible to be relieved of the mental obsession for food and to be able to have such a dramatic change in one's personality, one's character, and one's values that I do not need to seek a chemical or a substance outside of myself in order to relieve myself of restlessness, irritability, and discontentment. Because when we talk about step one, it's a realization that we're doomed. And we're not doomed because of the allergy of the body, although that is a bad problem. But I have a problem much worse than that. I have a problem with my mind. And because of that mental obsession, and we're taught in the big book about that mental obsession, the only solution that will ever work with someone like me, a real compulsive overeating, Eater is something that gets rid, drives out that mental obsession. And I know I can't do it by myself because I certainly tried that for years uh, because I, I couldn't stop the thinking that kept sending me back to those very foods and substances and eating behaviors that were killing me. The steps are designed to relieve us of the mental obsession. Abstinence and recovery, it's more than just the simple elimination of your binge food. It is a wholeness. It's a soundness of mind. It's a restoration of sanity. Why would I want to self-destruct? Why would I want to ingest those substances today? In the early infancies of recovery, in the early infant stages of recovery, yes, we have to accept one's vulnerability and one's limitations prior to getting through the step work. But once you have gone through the step work and have recovered, the obsession of the mind has been driven out. Recovery can be measured. Has the obsession of the mind been relieved? And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Um, Amy G., please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Yeah, I'm going to talk about this, too, assuming we are spiritually fit. Well, that begs the question, what is spiritually fit? And I think of uh, page 85 and into action. It says here, we are not fighting it when it comes to food. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe, and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. And like Leah is saying, through the process of working through the 12 steps, the mental obsession is relieved. And we're in the chapter here working with others. So my job as as a sponsor is to help the sponsee get through these steps to come to a point where they're spiritually fit enough to go out and carry a message of depth to weight to the next still-suffering compulsive overeater. So how do I help them by looking at this definition and saying, look, if there's somewhere you need to go or you want to go that might have some sort of temptation to you, because my job is not to shield them from temptation. You know, if I paraphrase a well-loved visionary, I'm going to scoot on down to the next paragraph, and it says here, in our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. And yet... The next chapter says, if you have a legitimate reason for being there, i.e. to carry a message to the still-suffering compulsive reader, if you're spiritually fit, there's nowhere you can't go. And so my job is to sponsor is to help guide the person through the steps so that they come to a point of being spiritually fit enough to go anywhere they need to go without needing to be shielded from temptation. And I know that's the case because I've seen it happen for myself, that I can go where I need to go. And if we think about early in these days when this, before this book was even written, 
What did these guys do? They went to bars to carry the message. They went to hospitals. They had liquor in their homes for people that had DTs when they were trying to carry a message to them. They were in a position of neutrality because they were spiritually fit. And I believe the same to be, case, to be the case for us. We can go anywhere carrying a message and doing God's work or higher power's work if we are spiritually fit. And what does that mean? That means being separated from our binge foods, working the 12 steps, and coming to a point of position of neutrality. And if I'm working with a sponsee that is not in that position, then my guidance would be to take a good look. Because if we look at the end of this paragraph we're on, our experience shows that this is not necessarily so. So how do I help the sponsee make that decision about where it is that they're going to go and what they're doing and what's their purpose for being there? And then we make that decision as to what and how they go about carrying the message or where they're going in that, in, at that point in time. Enough out of me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Amy G. Laura S., please go ahead. Press star one, Laura. Uh, I guess Laura's not there. Let's move on to Sharon H. Oh, thank you, Kathy. Can you hear me okay? I can, Sharon. Thank you. All right, thank you. Could it mean Devola S? I'm sorry. Oh, I had you down the list, but maybe that was you, Devora. Uh, can you wait a minute? We'll hear from Sharon sure. and sure. then Deborah. Go ahead, Sharon. Okay, thank you, Kathy. Um, this is Sharon H., Recover Compulsive Overeater by God's Grace in These 12 Steps. And I, too, am just going to say that uh, sentence, assuming we are spiritually fit, can we do all sorts of things? We can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. And uh, for me, um, how, do, how did I know and when did I know that I was spiritually fit? Well, I had to be convinced right from the very beginning of this book uh, because what I hadn't believed to the core of my being was that I did have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I was always trying to fix the body but not the mind, and um, I'm hopeless when I am not able to be convinced that it's a twofold illness and I need a higher power and these 12 steps in order to be set free. And um, on page 84 it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. And so I am just so grateful that the process of going through this book line by line, paragraph by paragraph, is what uh, God as I understand him, shined his laser beam of light into my thick head because I'd been around for a while to show me the devastation of this illness and what was required in order for me to recover. And otherwise, I lived like it states, you know, we start out with, oh, it's fun, you know, we enjoy the food, we blah, 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 and, and then it turns on us. And then we see the four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. And by God's grace, that's what I've been relieved of today. And I do live in a state of happy, joyous, and free. And I must live my life now that I've gone through the process of these steps diligently, which I never did before, in steps 10, 11, and 12, because I can still get restless, irritable, and discontent. 
but I have a solution today. I can do a step 10 right away. I continue to try and develop this wonderful relationship I've been given with God's grace today. And then I'm available to that next suffering alcoholic, compulsive overeater that steps into these rooms. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of this program, and I'm so grateful you're out, all out here on the line today. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you, Sharon H. Devorah S., please go ahead. Hi. Thank you so much, everyone on the line. This is Devorah S., the recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And um, I, too, love that line, Um, you know, assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things we're not supposed to do. And I really believe that I couldn't go to any places or have the food in my house. How often I deprived my family of treats or whatever. I would tell my husband, you know, you can't bring it in the house or we can't have it or I can't. Or I would, if I was on a diet, everyone was on a diet. Nobody had it because, you know, it's, if I can't have it, then you can't have it. And um, thank God for the for this change in me and the spiritual um, help that I'm getting. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm able to go anywhere and be there and and have it in my house and 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 I want to give it to my family. It's like it's okay. It doesn't do anything to me. It's poison to me um, because of this spiritual change in my, and the different way I think, the psychic change. And, um, you know, I, I work in the morning, I work in, a, in an office, in a school, and it's constant. They're constantly sending out, um, getting deliveries of, of um, trays of donuts to give out to the kids for prizes, or uh, the local pizza shop is sending two, two pies over for a class, or whatever it is, this is how they're, this is how they're treat you know, giving their, the the, um, the students, you know, prizes or whatever. That's their way. But So when they bring it in, you know, someone says to me, you know, can we trust you that you're not going to take one? And I laugh to myself, you know, thank God, you know, it's, it's not a problem. I said, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, what a miracle that is that, you know, life goes, life is happening but yet I don't have to partake in the food, and it's not for me. And um, and I really do believe when I put the food on the scale, it is part of my spiritual growth, um, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm stretching myself. I'm going, I'm, I'm getting out of my way, because my way is just to eat whatever, whenever, and, and, and just to take the time to weigh the food on the scale and to have the appropriate amount that I, I need to have. That is God's will for me, and it is spiritual to me. And um, really, really grateful to be here and to learn this with you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devorah S. And Edini, I am forgetting the first initial of your last name. Can you give that to me before you share? Good morning. It's, It's Edini M., Thanks, Adini. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy, for your loving service. Thank you. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. Assumed we are spiritually fit. Well, 
it's, we're supposed to be spiritually fit at this point because we had gone through the steps and we have been recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So we are no longer being blocked and self-will run right doesn't have a hold on me. You know, we have come out of being isolated and polluting our thoughts with that bondage of self. We're now in the light of the spirit and we're being guided. You know, we're connected to God and to others. We're doing our part. We're meeting God halfway. We're weighing and measuring our thoughts. And this is how I've been conditioned by my higher power, by building up my interior life, my personal relationship with God that gives me his power, his strength, his confidence to even be on this line, to speak my mind and heart, to do the things that I cannot do for myself. You know, after I was recovered, after one year, I was blessed with this job. I had a position to enrich lives of very ill people that had schizophrenia or bipolar, depression, and anxiety. And one of the activities I would do with them is I had to dig my hands into desserts on a daily basis um, with them. And I was touching my triggered foods every single day with a smile on my heart and a peaceful mind and not feeling at all irritable and discontent. Wow. Wow. You know, God had a hold on me, and I was rooted, and I'm rooted in his love and his light to see the truth, and the truth always sets me free. And this is the spiritually fit to be person, you know, to have this personality change, to be transformed in the mind, and to act that out. And um, when you know, when you exercise a muscle, we stay connected to God, we trust God, we clean house, and we help others. And on a continual basis, just pray and meditate and talk to God. And it's always about movement. Now, I cannot have a spiritual muscle without putting any kind of strain on it. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. And, and Sylvia, you'll be our last share today. If you could make it two minutes, that would be great. Hi, Kathy. Uh, hi, Visionaries. This is Sylvia S., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in upstate New York. And I've got my time around for two minutes. And I'm happy to just be here and to be able to share with all of you, um, I'm usually not on the meeting, but I listen every day. And what I wanted to talk about was um, this idea of neutrality. And, yes, I, you know, I have the neutrality. Um, I have the blessing of being able to go anywhere and be with people, no matter what they're eating and what's going on. But, you know, for, for those of you who might be um, – still suffering. I mean, you get to your ninth step or you get to your 12th step and it's like, voila, you know, I'm recovered and this shouldn't happen anymore. And now it's, in my experience, was the beginning of when I got the neutrality, which I then had to work to maintain. And so uh, on a daily basis. And so does it mean that I don't get any more food thoughts? No, that's not what it means. What it means is when all of a sudden, you know, I think that a potato chip is my answer to something, 
It just means that it's a wake-up call of, it's a barometer that I've got some work to do and, um, and I get to do it. I get to do it instead of getting back into my binge food. And so what the steps do on a, on a daily basis is it allows me to no longer have amnesia. If I look at a chocolate bar, I actually remember how sick I'm going to feel and what that's going to do for me. And, um, and I guess I'll share quickly that the way it works for me is that I'm doing uh, an inventory all the time. This connection to God is happening all the time. That's how I get my neutrality. And it's so I'll have a thought of, oh, uh, you know, am I, how do I compare with that person? And my next thought is a pause. And I say, and what, what happens is, oh, that's self, that's selfish. I give that up and I go on. That's what takes me back to the food. I'm crazy. And with that, I pass. I'm glad to be here with all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia F., and it's now time to close our meeting. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now re- uh, close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Janice B., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you, Kathy. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater of Vermont. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.